You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Good morning, church. Hey, how good is it to be together today? And it, gosh, only a few people. How good is it to be together? Right. Sounds good. Sounds great. Hey, Jez and her team have done a super job putting it all together. In spite of the weather, give them all a hand. In spite of the weather, they've done a great job. And you're going to have fun afterwards. And uh, that's all about just enjoying God and each other and His presence. Hey, you know, in the early chapters of the book of Acts, let's start this. In the early chapters of the book of Acts, Luke describes the church as being together. And while that speaks of being in the same place physically at the same time, it also describes common life and common faith together. And our faith is so much stronger together. We do better together. We accomplish so much more together. Two are better than one, the Bible says. And we celebrate times like this. We see our purpose in times like this. And and the scripture we put on the inside of this for you, deliberately, kind of shows that thing. Uh, We picked out of the message that last little bit out of the book of Proverbs 29, where it turns, turns it around from they don't see vision, they're perishing. It turns around and says, but, don't you like that when God butts in with his but? But when they attend, in other words, when they see, when they act upon what they have just seen. This is not just about attending a meeting. It's actually giving your attention to something to make it happen. When they do that, and when they see what he reveals, they are, you are, we are considered to be blessed and most fortunate. And I believe we're in an incredible season heading into blessing as a church. Anybody believe that? Okay, good. And I'm not saying that just to hype things up, you know, or to create an atmosphere today. There's already atmosphere. You know, I'm not filling the atmosphere with hot pink air, you know, just no substance. And to be honest with you, both Janet and myself have mixed feelings about the time we find ourselves in. Just putting it out there. We get excited, you know, when we talk about and think about the things that God's placed on our hearts for ministry. Pastor Nate said it earlier, the making of disciples of Christ, not just disciples of the church. You know there can be a difference. A disciple of the church says, I attend meetings, I tick this box, I, I do what they say, I serve there. None of that's wrong. But a disciple of Christ, come on, is somebody who lives like him, loves like him. All right? We get excited about that. We get excited about coaching, mentoring leaders so that they can go the long haul. I was staggered. My best friend, when I was in America back from mom's funeral, told me that the statistics in America right now are showing that 95% of those who start out in ministry don't make it to retirement. Yeah. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for better things. And we're excited about taking the last 40 years that we've kind of picked up some do's and don'ts and mistakes and breakthroughs and putting them into leaders so they can go the long haul. We're also passionate about taking freedom in Christ beyond our church and and also taking mission back as it should be at centerpiece. Mission is the heartbeat of God. And we're excited about that. We're passionate about this. And we're excited for you. 
You know, I, I believe with all my heart, victory is heading into a great time. Really believe that. I would not have done this vision with a time of transition if I didn't believe that with all my heart. And, and we're confident in the leadership that Pastors Knight and Rachel are going to bring. Absolutely believe it. We've watched them walk an incredible journey. Um, they're the right people in the right place at the right time. So we're excited. You're excited for us. We're excited for you. But we also, it's kind of mixed emotions, you know? You know the definition of mixed emotions. Watch, yeah. <laughs> Watching my mother-in-law drive over a cliff in my Lexus. That's mixed emotions. So anyway. Poor mother-in-law. Anyway. We get, a little bit, we get a little bit anxious when we talk about the transition, but, well, if the truth were known, I get anxious, more than Janet. She's just got this faith that says, God's got this. If you walk outside today and the sun's shining, walk up and shake her hand. She's been declaring that for a week now for you, uh, and the deal is, we're not anxious for you. You're in good hands. You're entering a new era with abundant opportunities, but for us, so this is the first time I've been able to tell you this since... I preach about the transition, so just being honest, um, we know what we're passionate about and what we want to do in what I call our fourth quarter of ministry life. Very passionate about that, what God brought us to Australia for. And, and, and the problem is we don't know how it's all going to come together. And if you know me at all, you know I like my little ducks in a row, right? I, I like to know when things are happening, where they're happening, how they're happening, and who's going to pay for it. I, I, Am I the only one like that, or is anybody else like that out there? You know, do we have any other OCD people in the audience? Don't leave me hanging. That's right. Thank you, Jez. We're together. I know that. Janet keeps telling me, Keith, your OCD is coming out. So, um, but we appreciate your understanding, your belief, and your prayers at this time because we know God's got this. No doubt about it. But today is about our leg of the vision. That says it's time for growth, time for influence, time for transition. We know that. And I need to tell you, stuff's already happening. Momentum is happening in our campuses. We have basically outgrown the auditorium at Northwest already. And we're looking. We're looking hard and strong. Um, things are happening. Listen, people are coming to Christ almost weekly. And youth and kids, man, fancy that. Pastor Jez preaches last week and four kids give their heart to the Lord. Do you sense a new calling to be a children's pastor? No. Okay. I'm with you. All right. V groups are growing, right? They're increasing. Traction is happening in and through the Victory Center. Go check out the new digital sign. Where's Pete? Did you put it on YouTube for everybody to see? It's out there. It is awesome. But I want to say to the people who came to the open day, we really thank you for coming. It was special to have you there. It was a fantastic day. And listen, two managers from a care group in the city came through, and they were blown away at the potential and have already signed up for a partnership with us. Already. Now, get this, though. A person who was a visitor, they don't come to our church, don't come to the center. They were just there at the opening, invited, uh, came up to me and Pete afterwards and said, I really love what you guys are doing here. I want to make a donation. This is a visitor. How good is that? Also on the vision, I want to tell you, I am casting the net, and here it goes, for the leaders of the third campus. Call it a campus, location, service, whichever way it starts, I know you're out there. I don't believe they're coming from somewhere else. We've had people come from somewhere else, oh, I should, shouldn't say it. 
in Alabama. I got to get something in, don't I? All right. Sweet home. If somebody from Alabama, the deep south, says, well, bless your heart. They're not complimenting you and they're not praying for you. They're literally saying, you idiot. Why did you do that? So if I ever look at you and say, well, bless your heart. (laughs) Promise me you're not going to spit on me. All right. So we've had people come from elsewhere, bless their heart. But it becomes obvious over time the DNA is not there. I'm just saying it nicely. And I'm saying that this, when you grow up in the house, you got one or two options. You're the elder son or the younger son. You either feel like you've got rights or you come home after you've sinned and asking for forgiveness. And the deal is this. I know you're out there. I shouldn't have gone to that. Anyway, I believe you're here. I believe it's not someone coming in. Your heart is already being stirred for this. You might feel nervous about it. Can I say that's normal? I feel nervous every time I preach. I've been doing it for 40 years and I still get nervous. I, I just see that as God's little kind of tickle to say, trust me. If you do it on your own strength, then you're not trusting me. Um, It's natural. But every time I talk about that third campus, something moves inside of you. And I'm saying to you, we need to talk. Come on, we need to pray about this. Come see me. So today is not just about our vision. It's about making the vision happen. And it takes commitment and action for a vision to become reality. I like what Thomas Edison said, vision Without execution, it's hallucination. And he knew. And today's an opportunity for each one of us to play a part in making the execution of our vision possible. So I want to focus, as we kind of get ready to do that, I I want to focus, because I want us to spend some time declaring, prophesying over us. Um, I want to focus on a principle and a practice that's going to help us this morning become people of execution. I call it, don't laugh, feeding the bull. Not that kind. I'm talking about a real ox. I'm not talking about the bull. And believe it or not, it's mentioned in Scripture. Get it? The first mention of it in Scripture is by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25. Feed the bull. He says it a different way. Let me give you the backdrop to that if you're using an analog Bible or your phone or whatever and going there to Deuteronomy 25. Let me give you the backdrop to this passage of Scripture. See, Moses is giving instructions about fairness and keeping in line with the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. Okay? And in chapter 24, verse 8, through to chapter 25, verse 4, he's talking about applying fairness in nine different scenarios. So we're about to give you a nine-point sermon. Oh, I thought you'd panic. No, I'm kidding. Nate's ready for nine. No. Eight will come later. We're going to go straight to the end. How about that? Verse, chapter 25, verse 4. Believe it or not, God is talking about fairness to the animals. Isn't that weird? I never knew God was green. (laughs) Well, he made it, didn't he? But especially those who work to provide for you, take care of them. Serious. So this is for all you dog and cat lovers who believe they're going to be with you in heaven. God love you. Bless your heart. 
which pastors believe your pet's going to be in heaven? We will cast that out of you at the end of the service. Anyway, God love you. God bless you. Hey, hello. There's something about Anyway, here we go. All right, here's the deal. Do you know in this scripture, God is showing his care and mercy for creation. And he calls us to be good stewards of what he's made. We can't just trash the planet. That's for all the millennials out there. However, even though he's talking about taking care of the animals, some see a proverb within this verse as well as the literal rendering of the verse. And while it means that you feed the bull that feeds you, there's a further meaning found in this verse. So Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. Simple. Do not muzzle an ox. Don't bind up the bull while it's treading out the grain. Now, let me just read to you a little bit. Colin Dalich, which I think some of the most incredible scholars in their Old Testament, they said this. I'll just read it. Don't have it on the screen. The command not to put a muzzle upon the ox when threshing is no doubt proverbial in its nature. And even in the context before us is not intended to apply merely, literally, to an ox employed in threshing. Even though it is about that, it is also to be understood in the general sense in which the Apostle Paul uses this verse in 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5. In, in other words, that a laborer was not to be deprived of their wages. Isn't that interesting? That's the proverb. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to go there, if you want to go to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. Moses takes this Old Testament law, he brings it into the New Testament and into the church, and he applies it a lot broader than just feeding the bull. Because what he's saying, firstly, in the broad sweep of the brush, if you have workers, you need to take care of them rightly, justly, and fairly. Right? I don't know if you know this, but even the book of Philemon is written to show a slave owner how to properly, as a Christian, take care of their slaves. Interesting. Take care of your workers. Narrow the context down, and Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, we planted this church, we have built this church, we have ministered in this church, we have never asked you for one dollar, and you have never offered. And this is not right. That's what he's saying. But he is also saying that all the workers who work for the house of God need to be, listen to me, they need to be, the bull needs to be fed. Resource the work of the house of God. That's what's, that's what's embedded in this verse. It is not just about feeding your bull literally. It is also about feeding the house of God and the workers in the house of God with all the resources it needs so it's not restricted. I think it's a crying shame that often we can't do what God wants us to do because the resources aren't there. The bull is muzzled. Mm. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. For it's written in the law of Moses. So he brings the law into the New Testament, applies it to the local church, and says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Now watch this. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? For me, as the one who planted this church, he said. For you, are, are, as the workers of the church. For the whole church, isn't God concerned about us that we can freely build the house and extend the kingdom? Without limit, without restriction. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, 
This was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. And you go, oh yeah, we share in the fruit in heaven. He is not talking about heaven. He's talking about here and now. Some things won't get to heaven until here and now is taken care of. I know that sounds very Arminian, and you have to forgive me on that. But souls aren't going to make it if we don't do what we're meant to do. Okay. So this means both the provider and the worker shares in the harvest. You share in the harvest. So... You shared in the harvest of 148 families who are now debt-free and 88 commitments to Christ through our CAP Center. You shared in that harvest. Okay. You shared in the harvest last Sunday morning when four little ones came to Christ. You share in the harvest when decisions are made for Christ in Thailand, when churches are planted in Indonesia. You share in the harvest when lives are loved and set free, set free through the things done at the Victory Center. You share in the harvest. Man, the list goes on. You share in that harvest. Because here's the principle. Giving to the vision causes us to share in the harvest. Simple. It's simple. It's not complicated. Paul said, should we share in this? Of course. Did God say this about us? Yes, he did. So in a few moments, we're going to do just that. We're sharing in a harvest by our giving and our pledges this morning. That's what we're going to do. And we, the staff and the board, are going to declare over you the favor of God. The blessings of God. That scripture we read at the beginning. We're going to do that as you do this. But before we do that, let me share you two results that take place when we feed the bull. Just two simple results. Feeding the bull, number one, increases strength. Traditionally, the sheaves would be brought in. You know, they, they bring the corn, the sheaves, the wheat, and they just scatter it across the threshing floor. There's a big millstone in the middle of the room. Believe it or not, some Eastern cultures still do this today. They'll have one or two bulls tied to that millstone, leashed to that millstone. And they'll walk in circles, and they trample on the sheaves. And in their trampling on the sheaves, they're knocking out the grain from the husks so that the grain is separated from the chaff. And then that grain goes into a grinder that turns it into meal and flour. And it's very prosperous. But to muzzle the ox prevents him from eating the grain. You go, I thought there's a point. You don't want him to eat the grain. Listen, if you muzzle the ox and he can't eat when he needs, then the ox will eventually keel over and die because he has no strength. You're working him to death. So here's the deal. Not only is that cruel and restrictive, but it weakens the animal. And if you want a strong animal, you need to A, give it the resources it needs for strength. And B, give it the freedom to use those resources to get stronger. Simple, right? So if you want a strong church with strong workers, you need to release the resources for the work to be done. It's that simple. So the deal is this. Giving to the vision empowers and frees the work to be done. When it's within your power to release the resources so the work can happen freely, a strength is gained for the task and the work of the kingdom can expand without being restricted. I just hate it when I have to say to ministries and missionaries and things of vision, sorry, can't do that. We just don't have the budget. 
if, if God is the God of abundance and God is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we should never have to do that. You're not just giving to a budget. You're giving to cause strength and freedom for ministry to flow in building the house of God and extending His kingdom. You need to know that. Oh, we're propping up a budget. No, you're not. You're releasing strength and freedom. Number two, feeding the bull produces productivity. Listen to me. Solomon focused on this in one of his Proverbs. You probably read it. It's a bit obscure. And you read it and you go, what the? It's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. He literally says this. Let's put it up on the screen. Proverbs 14, 4. There you go. Where there are no oxen, if you don't have any bulls who are ready to do the job, you're going to have a very clean, sterile, empty barn. If you want a sterile, clean, empty church, don't release any workers. Workers make mistakes. They poo all over the place. Right? They leave a mess. But I'd rather clean up a mess than not have a harvest. Where there are no oxen, when resources are lacking, when giving does not take place, there are no workers for the kingdom. Where there are no oxen, the manger, the barn is empty. In other words, there's no harvest. Church isn't built. People aren't getting saved and set free. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But, there you go, there's the big but of God again. But, from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. Got it? When there are workers for the house and they are well-resourced, many will come to Christ. The barn will be full. Lives will be impacted and changed and a city influence for the kingdom of God from the strength of an ox. Giving to the vision releases provision and results in abundance. Get that. Get that. I know it's a stretch. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting abundant emails up until the 1st of July. It's end of the year, time to give. If there are ever, And I'm getting the stretch from giving from all different kind of places. There we go, we're finished. And some of us give in a lot of places. But I'm saying to you that in this stretch, when we give to the vision for the house that we call home and we sang about, all of a sudden provision results in abundance. And that's what we want. And I want to tell you, church, we already have evidence through your faithful giving that God has moved your heart to provide for the vision for us to truly be a life-giving church, empowered by the Spirit to influence our city and beyond for the kingdom of God. You met last year's pledge, which is awesome. But can I tell you, the board, the board, we, 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 uh, we didn't, I won't say we stressed or fought over this, we wrestled over this and came to a great unity let's stretch the vision further now because things are ramping up and so it's going to be a stretch this year but first and foremost why don't we stand our feet we're going to pray it's time to pray it's time to get ready for declaration for the prophetic for all of a sudden executing the vision that God has given to us so as we pray first and foremost Lord Jesus we thank you for that indescribable gift of salvation through the cross. I want to thank you that you gave heaven's best. You provided for us to have strength and life and forgiveness of sins forever. 
Lord, when you died on that cross, you paid for our sin, for our separation from the Father. And I want to thank you that you didn't stay in the tomb. I want to thank you that you rose again and you lived forevermore. I want to thank you for that indescribable gift of salvation. Because you live, we live also. Just with your heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning, if you have never done that, you've never received God's greatest gift. The Bible says that God loved you so much, He gave. He gave. What did He give? Heaven's best, His one and only Son. That if you would believe in Him, believe what about Him? That He is the Lord of all creation. That He is the Savior of the world. That He freely, willingly gave His life on a cross to pay for our separation, our wrongdoing, our sin. And if you will believe that and receive that for yourself as a gift, Father, I need Your Son, Jesus. I need to be forgiven. I need to be brought into your family. I've sinned against you. I've offended you. I want to come home. Would you freely receive me now? If you pray something like that, believing that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what he did absolutely sets you free, if you would do that right now, the Bible says in that moment, if you'll confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, why don't you pray something like this? Father God, I want to come home. Forgive me for being so far away. Receive me now as I receive your son, Jesus Christ, and all that he did at the cross. I'm coming home. Receive me and fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. If you prayed that this morning for the first time, hey, we want to talk to you down here after the service and just give you some stuff that's going to help you grow in that. But let's pray again. I want to declare right now over our church. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. So I declare right now that our church will be fully resourced for the mission ahead. I declare that every one of you will be abundantly blessed, not only because you see what God is doing, you will be blessed because you are actively involved in what God is doing. And I declare this morning, release over your life, over your family, over your health, over your work, over your finances, over your children, over your marriage. I I declare a release of the favor of God in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the, uh, as we start to sing, I'm going to ask the, the staff and the board to come put their offering in, and then we'll direct you when to come. So let's go ahead and start singing, guys. God is faithful. Come on. He's never failed us. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.